Henry and John McLaughlin came from a very close family. They were born in the same house in Indiana in the 1800s. Well, Henry eventually moved to Alabama. And when the Civil War started, he joined up with the Southern Army, the Confederates. And his brother, John, joined the Union Army, became a colonel. And they eventually faced off with each other on the same battlefield in 1863, the siege of Vicksburg. Henry was captured and became a POW. But after the war, he was sent home to be with his families. Many households during the Civil War were like this. Brother fighting brother. Son fighting father. The sad truth about the Civil War was that many people would sooner fight against their families than to change their view on slavery. For many of us, Jesus' words about family division are painfully familiar. Father against son, mother against daughter, brother against brother. Maybe your family has experienced some kind of division, perhaps through divorce or just distance. Or perhaps there is some past wounds in the family or some political differences. Or perhaps even there is a difference of faith that causes division. Conflicts and division are a reality in this life, even and perhaps especially so in our families. But friends, we are never without hope. In our text this morning, Jesus says that he did not come to bring peace, but division. I read that, I think to myself, but isn't he the prince of peace? This seems like a contradiction, a paradox, because even in the beginning of Luke, throughout the entire gospel, the very mission of Jesus is to bring peace. In Luke 1, Zechariah prophesies about Jesus saying that he will guide our feet in the way of peace. In Luke 2, when Jesus is born, the angels sing in a great multitude, glory to God in the highest, and peace for those whom he favors. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, he preaches about peace love of neighbor and enemies. He teaches us not to be anxious, work for justice. Elsewhere in the New Testament, in Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul says that Jesus Christ is our peace. The center of the gospel is the message of peace. Or what the Bible calls shalom, shalom, more than just the absence of conflict. Shalom is, is wholeness, completeness, flourishing, harmony in ourselves, between each other and between us and God. God's future plan for the world is eternal, perfect 
shalom. So how is it, friends, that Jesus, the very architect of shalom, could come and say, I do not bring peace, but division? Because it's true. The message of Jesus and the announcement of his kingdom always causes conflict. Look at the last 2,000 years. Jesus has changed the trajectory of human history. And do you think that he stirred up a little controversy along the way? Christians have been killed for their faith, persecuted for their faith, The Bible has been burned and banned, even in places in our world today. If you become a Christian and you come from a Muslim family, or a Jewish family, or a Hindu family, or a family of atheists, think about the division that happens. How risky it is for some folks. Jesus can say, I don't bring peace, rather division, because it's true. I mean, imagine if Jesus had said, I am bringing you all eternal peace. It starts here and now. There will no longer be any fighting, no longer be any bickering, no longer be any division. If Jesus had said that, we would look at history and scratch our heads. But history shows us, and today in our world shows us that Jesus was right. And he warns us, division will come. It came for him. He says, I have a baptism coming, and what a stress I'm under until it's completed. He's talking about the chaos and the conflict that's going to happen momentarily when he gets to Jerusalem. The baptism he's referring to is the baptism of his rejection, of his death, And ultimately, his resurrection. Remember, Jesus was perfect. He lived a sinless life, fully loving, fully giving, and he was still hated and rejected and experienced conflict. So for all of my perfectionist friends out there, remember, you can be perfect. You can get it all right but the conflict will still come. Because when you stand up for what's right, when you show God's love to the people around you, when you decide that I'm going to stand with God, I'm going to join God in fighting against evil and abuse and destruction and hurt and pain, I'm going to stand with God and help build his kingdom in my life And in my family, you are going to experience opposition. Of course, we're called to work for peace. The Bible is very clear about that. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul calls us ambassadors for Christ. In Romans 12, Paul says, If it's possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. 
We work for peace. We celebrate peace whenever it happens. But on this side of eternity, conflict is going to come. Jesus says, count on it, especially if and when you share the gospel. People don't like absolute truth. People don't like making commitments, especially today. (laughs) People don't like to surrender their lives to anyone, and the gospel calls for all of that and more. The gospel is controversial. Now, some Christians, when they hear that the gospel is controversial, they use that as an excuse to be edgy or antagonistic or contentious. But we should never sacrifice kindness and love when we share the truth. Controversy does not need to be manufactured by us, ever. The gospel will do that on its own. And notice that we're never called to start conflict or division. Quite the opposite, actually. The Bible shows us throughout the Old and New Testament that God absolutely hates division. He hates division in his people. He hates division in families. Perhaps the single most addressed theme throughout the New Testament is unity in the church. Be unified. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. God teaches us to be kind, gracious, forgiving, loving, generous, and united. Work for peace whenever possible. But when you make a commitment to Christ, there will be conflict. When you speak truth, people are going to disagree. And Jesus knows that there is going to be rough times division, and disagreements. But the good news here, friends, is that he promises to be with us through all conflict. Earlier in Luke, Jesus says that the Heavenly Father who loves us dearly will graciously give us the Holy Spirit whenever we seek or ask for it. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God. Speaking about a very real conflict that's about to happen to the disciples, Jesus says in Luke 12, when they bring you before synagogues, when they bring you before rulers and authorities, do not worry about what you're going to say. Because the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what to say. When the time of conflict or division comes, God is right there speaking and teaching. Our only role in it is to listen to God's Spirit. That always takes patience and prayer. The truth is, friends, that God is making a new and beautiful world overflowing with shalom, and every single person has to make a choice whether or not they want to be a part of it, whether or not they're going to be a part of it. In our text this morning, Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. A better reading of that would be more literally Jesus saying, I came to throw fire on the earth, to cast fire. It's judgment language. 
Jesus often spoke of fire in reference to judgment. Luke 3, he says, even now the axe is laying by the tree. For every tree that does not produce good fruit, it is cut down and thrown into the fire. Fire has to do with the end. Now, of course, judgment is something that we never like to talk about. But when you really think about it, when you really analyze it, when you really take a deep look, judgment is a good thing. Judgment marks the end of all those things in life that we hate, that hurt us, that break down our world. Judgment is the end of injustice, suffering, and death. There will be no more crying, Jesus says. No more death. No more pain. Judgment marks the first day of God's new world. Life is filled with conflict, but we know that in the end, God is going to deal with the conflict. Jesus is bringing fire to the earth. It is going to be taken care of. The good news is, when you know how the story is going to end, you don't have to live with the same level of worry or anxiety or fear or a need to control it. Sometimes if I'm watching an intense movie with my wife, I have to pause the movie and say, we've got to take a break because I don't know how this is going to end. This is really stressing me out. Anytime I watch like a Batman movie, or, but, but it, it's only the first time you watch it because you go back and you rewatch the second movie, you see it the second time, you know how it's going to end, right? There's no, there's no sense of anxiety or fear or worry. You're not caught up in the tension in the same way because you know the ending's going to turn out good. Yeah, I know it's a scary part, but this main character is going to live. It's going to be happily ever after. They're going to tie it up with a nice little bow. When you know how it's going to end, you don't have to worry about being in control. You don't have to worry about whatever conflict is happening. You don't have to change anybody because the news is, friends, you can't change anybody. You don't have to worry about controlling the ending because God already has. Our only job in the midst of it is to be faithful and to have faith. So when division comes, even when it's in the family, especially when it's in the family, we're always called, always called to still love the person. We care for them. We work for unity and peace because Jesus commands us even to love our enemies. And if Jesus commands us to love our enemies, don't you think that he also commands us to love those with whom we're divided with? Absolutely. That's our posture. That's our mission. Conflict happens. But the hope is that relationships can be mended. The hope is that a heart can be healed. The hope is that the lost can be found. Friends, we know how the 
ending is going to happen. Which means, in the meantime, we have that very mission. Healing hearts, mending relationships, and seeking out the lost. Our mission is not to start fights, but to never stop fighting for love, for good, for peace, for justice. Never stop fighting for people. That is the heart of God. A friend of mine is a pastor in Transylvania, Romania. His name is Christian. And one night he was speaking at an outreach event. And this young woman walks into the meeting room and she's dressed all in black and she's got a pentagram necklace around her neck. She was a Wiccan. She sits down kind of in the back. My friend Christian begins to share his message. And what every, is, every pastor's worst nightmare is when someone decides they're going to start preaching too in the middle of the sermon. And so she starts speaking up and interrupting his, his message. He gets a little irritated, but, you know, he thinks, okay, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to continue on in my talk. But the more he talks and the more he preaches, the louder this woman gets and the more contentious she gets. And it gets to a point where she starts speaking profanities against God. Blasphemy. My friend Christian is a, he's a pastor, loves God. He's standing there. He can't believe what's happening right now. And he's filled with rage. He's filled with anger. He wants to tell this woman to get out of this meeting hall. You're ruining this for everybody else. And right before he yells at this woman and tells her to get out, something inside him, something powerful, tells him to wait. Show love. So my friend Christian, he takes a breath and he looks at the woman and he says, I'm glad that you're here today. You are welcome here. God wants you to be here. And I have a message that I want to share with you. And he shares the gospel. And everyone's there, but he's, he's really talking to that woman. He's engaging her. She leaves that night. She comes back the next week. And then she comes back the week after that. And then she comes back the week after that. And the week after that. And there's this long process, but within a year, that woman had accepted Christ. My friend Christian told me that she recently took communion for the first time last Christmas. Friends, we can never control when or how the conflict's going to come. And we especially can never control the other people involved in the conflict. All we can control is our capacity to love within the conflict. Our capacity to have faith in the goodness and the power and in the future of God's plan. Let's pray. God, how grateful we are that while we were enemies of you, while we ran from you, while we caused division, you still loved us. You died for us even when we were sinners. 
and you offered us grace and love and forgiveness and peace, and you send us to go out and be those peacemakers. We recognize, God, that opposition and confrontation will come. Help us, Lord, to not run from it. Help us, Lord, to not be afraid of it. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in the midst of it. Give us strength and patience and wisdom, we pray. Amen.